So this is a conclusion of a three-part series, Miracles Now, and this portion of it is called The Power of Remembrance. And that is so significant because we all are part of this memory that has to get carried forward for all of humanity. And that's why Bishop Dana and Padre Paul and myself decided that we really wanted to take advantage of this opportunity of the pandemic to really stabilize the beauty of life in our ministry and in ourselves. And so we decided that we're going to really remember all of the miracles that we have been privy to in our time in CLM. I'm going on 22 years, and yesterday was a, an anniversary date for me as a as a, a, a reverend. It was also anniversary date for a few other people in our community, Barbara Rose and one of our monks, Rob, in the East Coast. Wow. And even though our years of profession and ordination were different, we all enter into that same remembrance of the I am, the great I am presence, or Jesus the Christ, or the Holy Spirit. It's, an, it's something so powerful and indelible, and it's something that we all take very dearly into our, into our inner being. And as I was preparing for tonight, I was remembering, oh my gosh, what happened at the New Year? I sent out a New Year's message, and I, I was drawing upon some prayers that I had done, and I was drawing upon the fact that we were leaving a three-year and entering a four-year numerologically. And I sent out this, this little message that said, my heart is full as I sink into the promise of a new year filled with hope, stability, and process. This year, 2020, will offer many an opportunity to sink deeper roots in appreciation for the diversity all around, develop a pathway that matches one's inner spark, and will teach one how to shine a light of reverence for all that which we hold dear to our heart. Now, of course, I had no idea that that would come through <laughs> in such an epic way because, you know, <laughs> I've been cleaning out boxes and washing windows and, you know, doing laundry and on a regular basis. I mean, so many things that are not normally something I keep up with as urgently as I have been. And it's just been profound. I thought, wow, those words really did manifest in a very personal way for me. And then I was reflecting on the West of Heaven that was happening in February of 2020 here on, on the East, mm. on the West Coast. And I did a little presentation and I taught a little game called the Four, four Words, Four Year Game. And I took those same points, root stability, process, and con the conservative, which are all the points of, of the numerology of four, and, I, and I, I, I set them to a tone of the scripture, and I picked out some words that were four-letter words that matched my heart about each of those topics. And again, I just am marveling, I, as I remember back just a few months, how much each of these nuggets are holding true for me as I'm going through this experience of the pandemic with everyone else. And I think, aren't we blessed that we have opportunities to have this remembrance, opportunities to really sink a deeper root into our spiritual life, an opportunity to develop a process that is true for our spirit, an opportunity to become stable, the outside world has changed radically, but our inside world can get stronger and more stable than ever before because there's just less fuss. There's less interference. 
And also, this this word, the conservative, is often a confusing word for people when we talk about numerology. And for me, what it means is, what is true for me? How can I open into my truth? How can I keep it pure? And where is the gift of that truth? So the conservative is one who is pulling back from the masses and just looking more tenderly into their heart and remembering what is true for them. And so for me, I thought, okay, what is true for me? What is true for me is a few years ago, the CASA went through a massive transformation, and that was a spiritual home mm. for me that was very important. And a few years before that, when this university did some changes, and so I've had to adapt to those changes. And then a few years before that, my beautiful mentor, Ron Roth, passed away. And so all of these things were reminders of these significant, stabilizing outside forces that have shaped me spiritually and have given me a mission and have given me a, a path. And now that it's internalized, I can hold it in a very powerful way for everybody and everything that I love. So I'd like to dedicate this call. Anyone who knows me knows that I, I, I often get a lot of prayer requests for people. And I'd like to dedicate this call to the took these prayer requests for Alex, for Tim, for Charles, for Vivian, and for Danielle. These are all people that have reached out to me in the last day or two for special prayers. So I want to take advantage of this this moment of remembrance and offer powerful prayers from my heart to these people, to these lives. Because even though some of these people I don't even know, I know that these prayers are going to go out and they're going to touch them and it's going to make a difference and together we make a difference when we pray for each other that's what a miracle is all about it's it's sharing from the inside out that which is true and seeing evidence of it on the outside coming back at you so let's start with this god our father who is power and goodness give strength to the one who is going through trial Give light to the one who seeks the truth. Put compassion and clarity in the heart of your children. God, give the traveler the guiding star, the afflicted with consolation, the sick with rest. Divine Parent, give the guilty repentance, the spirit the truth, the child wise guides, and the orphan a parent. Beloved, may your goodness extend over everything you have created, Pity, Lord, for those who do not know you. Hope for those who suffer. May your kindness allow the comforting spirit to spread peace, hope, and faith everywhere. So these comforting spirits, I've been praying to them all day long, asking, please show up for the call. This is the time. It's going to happen. And it needs to be powerful because everyone has been doing their utmost to focus and Stay very calm and organized and re resolute in the face of all that the world is going through. And so we need to really bring in the power and let them know that they're supported by the angelics, by the spiritual realm, by the oneness beings, by everything that is holy. And then it brought me to this beautiful prayer of Ron Roth, Come Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your divine love. 
Send forth your spirit, and they shall be made in your image as wondrously made, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Wow. Who knew that? I don't even know how many years ago now. It was in 2005 when we went to Brazil as CLM, and we did that prayer together that we were being prepared 15 years later to to offer Mm. it again in the face of a pandemic. So everything when it's remembered can come back even more powerfully more significantly and in a more focused way and lastly i would just like to offer this for my beloved ron rock jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom that was his very favorite song and it's one that's beautifully sung by our organization by our congregation and i'm just going to offer it really quickly from my heart to to yours. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Last week when we were on the call, we talked about the good thief. And this is a song about that good thief who was on the cross and crucified alongside Jesus. And he had an awakening. He realized that his life even though he was being punished, he saw goodness for the first time probably, and it woke him up. So at that last moment of his life, he awakened. And that's my prayer for all of us, that we all awaken. So Padre Paul, so wonderful to be part of your family, your spiritual family. Mm. And I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions because I really respect all that you hold in your heart spiritually. One of the things I was pondering about was in your own reality, you have such a rich prayer life, but often we get our checks and our balances from the outside, but during the shelter-in-place time, many of us have to go inside and really start learning from the inside out. So I wanted to ask you if you feel like this time of shelter-in-place has had an impact on you personally, because you already have a strong prayer life, but has it deepened or has it changed since this time? It so much has, Bobby, and hey, I I love how you started out tonight. This was beautiful, being in remembrance, and I think all of us can know that in our own perspective of where we come from and where we are today. But with that shelter in place, it really, I would say, rattled me, even though I'm normally in my home, which has my office, and this is where I normally am if I'm not on the road. But yet it challenged me the first day because the thought of not going outside was like, you can't tell me what to do. You know, I tease my community about you have to obey. And all of a sudden, when the governor says, you know, shelter in place, well, that's a decree. So, but I was challenged by that, and it was only because I think we all desire to have, and we probably always said, I just can't wait to have a vacation so I can do what I want and, you know, have the time. 
now we have this time, I have this time, but I also know what it, the outside challenged me to go inside in a deeper way. There's a scripture that says, dig up old well. So it's where our, our, where we remember what we used to do or have encounters with. And so it's about being in remembrance of God. And so for me, I, I, re, I remember my quote, born again experience. I remember my 28 years with Padre Ron Ross. And there's so many amazing qualities that came from there. But guess what? I realized all those are within me. And as the idea of do scripture says, and we've done this as a community, we did the Eucharist, which is communion. And it's God says God gave first. And so whatever's within us, he gave away. He gave himself to each of us. And so the gifts that are within us, we need to, quote, give it away. We need to give it forth. So to me, I was in remembrance of communion. And so I've been making a daily practice now since sheltering in place of doing daily communion. And it's been so rich for me because of, and I have this image that I caught one of the first times that I did this during this time was actually have, I picture Jesus presenting the host to me and I open up my mouth and receive and it's like, it's a new transformation. I, I always believe the host is, represents his body, but for actually him to be the giver of it, it totally transformed. I, I, can't wait to have communion in the morning because it's that divine union. And to me, there's really a, a definite change in my my atmosphere, my home. I just had some one of my secretaries to come, and they mentioned, man, your house feels different. And it's like, I know what they're talking about. I just had communion. I just had communion. You know, my secretary also had her spouse with her. And it's like she wanted prayer for him. So I said, well, I already prayed that whoever walks into this door is going to be blessed. So then for them to acknowledge that something's different in the home, the Holy Spirit's presence was here. You know, and I prayed for them and she received the healing. And I'm just grateful to God that it doesn't matter whether we're on the phone tonight or in person, the Holy Spirit is present. And that for me is something that I cherish over and over again. And I just, I, I love these teleservices, this series that we're doing. And I don't say I'm sad that it's ending because I look forward to these because you're my community, you know, and I break bread with you together. So thank you for asking that question, Bobby. Oh, thank you, Padre. That's beautiful. And I could feel the energy as you were talking. He was wafting out of the phone. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Bless you. Bishop Dana, I really love your perspective. I mean, you're a teacher and you have a really wise and profound relationship to life. And so I, I know that during this time of shelter in place, you've probably been doing what you do, helping others to grow consciously and spiritually and probably catching up on a lot of things for yourself too because it's it's like a rare opportunity for you to be more tucked in because you're you're in high demand but i was just curious kind of like from the joseph campbell sort of point of view of the the hero's journey if you were going to give 
what's happening right now in, in a, t- a movie title like Alice in Wonderland or The Wizard of Oz or The Matrix or The Greatest Story Ever Told, you know, how would you how would you put this for your for yourself and for all of us? Wow, that's a good one, Bobby. Let me go check out all my video shelf and look at all the other movies that are all combined because I think what we're dealing with now is the combination of the the archetypes. You know, we get to live out the journey of whatever archetype we're coming from. I think in a relatively sane world, we all have that hero's journey. That's if, if none of you are familiar with that, it wasn't originated by uh, Joseph Campbell. He, he's the one that named it, but it's, it's the way story patterns have existed forever, which is that there are steps of development of being, becoming oneself when you're here. And those, those steps are, you know, you're, you're just a regular person and then there's something that's calling you and then you're going like, I don't want to do that. And then you meet some kind of teacher, some kind of mentor, and then you find there's some new reality you hadn't seen before. And then you get tested. You find your support group. You find who the, what your inner or outer enemy is. And then you finally have to approach the innermost fear. And then you have to struggle with that fear. And then when you take charge, you find your new self and you have a road. You come back as a new person and you live from there. And that's a really nice story in the way of you think it's a one-time deal. And thus, in a lot of, of these movies, there's an original version without understanding there's version 2, version 3, version 4, etc. And on an individual level, we go through that, whether it's yearly or, you know, in a course of 10 years, we face something that we have to look at. We really don't want to deal with it. We didn't realize we get forced into doing it. We find some kind of support to do it. And we may struggle for a long time, mostly focused on the enemy instead of on the the purpose. And so when I've looked at some of these movies you, you suggested, I never really related to Alice in Wonderland because it related so much to a type of uh, identity loss. And in in her test, Alice didn't like how adults had so many rules. What's wrong with their imagination? And I kind of was very clear about my imagination. I So I didn't really identify with that movie as much. But she did go through so many steps of that same struggle. And then there was, a, you know, a second palace where she has to go deeper now that she knows who she is. Uh, the Wizard of Oz was something I could relate to back even up into my uh, college years where I felt like um, the only way I threw all this was some kind of magic. I needed some kind of magic to help me out. And I knew I had some kind of three-ring circus of some guides that helped me, whether it was the Tin Man and the Lion and the Scarecrow, which all seemed to be metaphors of myself as well, too. But if there's anything that I've really identified, it's been The Matrix leading me to the greatest story ever told, which I think is more of a story that happens after you've finished your work as opposed to the matrix is a more of a understanding that in the first two you're trying to escape the reality you live in and you go into a dream world but in the matrix there is kind of the native american point of view and the uh, shamanic point of view the aboriginal point of view that we are living inside the dream right now this is the dream this this body and this life is the dream and the real the reality of who we are is who we are after we die or when we go to sleep. And what we're trying to deal with is not this outside issue of this journey, but the inside issue of this journey. 
that can be repeated over and over and over and over again, step after step after step. That's why I loved, although critics didn't like The Matrix 2 or The Matrix 3, I saw the progression of Neo had to first meet who he was and realized there was nothing that could scare him and he could live from a higher principle, but then he didn't make the machines necessary the enemy. He wanted to understand the nature of this reality. Why was it being used? And to the point that he joined with all of reality to solve a bigger problem, an internal craziness that we all might face if we pretend that there isn't something higher. You know, even Jesus in the greatest story ever told, he, you know, his whole thing was he has to work really hard, then he's betrayed by somebody he loves, and then he still has to face his own deepest fear, like, I have to go through with this. And I think on an individual scale, we all say that we've gone through this and we don't, we don't think others could even understand what we're going through, but we're very disconnected because none of us are really old enough to remember severe world wars or times of illness across the entire world. We've read about in history, but here we are where everybody's on the hero's journey together. This is more like the group's journey. And in this space, there's a tendency where some people might be more resolute and committed to the divine and feel that connection. I don't feel any difference right now than before. I'm more just dealing with how everybody else is suddenly realizing that... (laughs) that something's happened in the dream that they didn't expect. And I've been warning people for a long time in my school, do you have your horse? Uh, do you have your water store? Because life is going to change. And we get to be the, the the greatest people we want to be now. So I'm I'm just basically trying to focus on these these more minute steps inside of why is it I... I love how Padre was talking about he looks forward every morning to doing communion. Uh, and we all need to have that connection, that real personal connection. And I've been challenging my own teachers, and I think I challenged everybody on the last call, like, why aren't we choosing our way of doing that every day? Here's the perfect time. We're in this personal retreat. Do I want to keep pretending I'm following the yellow brick road and it'll get and, and <laughs> some kind of magical thing? I'll tap my shoes and I'll change, or am I going to apply myself? You know, I like sitting down every morning and I feel like Neo where I'm plugged in and, whoa, I just learned Kung Fu. Oh, I just learned <laughs> Russian. You know, whatever it is. It's like, oh, I've learned to talk to Thomas. I haven't talked to Thomas before. Instead of always just making fun of doubting Thomas. Thomas to me is like me. Thomas had really good questions. Thomas wanted to understand. He didn't know how to believe. He knew how to understand. And I was like, oh, I need to ask him more questions. Having these personal relationships with our allies, with our guidance, and then realizing that they are only spokespersons for the original light. The journey that we're trying to get to is knowing God itself as us. So this is the best time we could ever ask for to do it, as opposed to pretend like, oh, it's got to be perfectly set up. It has to be all really nice. It has to be, you know, we've done a lot of training, and now is the marathon. Now is the time to run it. At least that's how I'm approaching every day here. It's, it seems synchronistic to me. It seems like it, I've been preparing for this my whole life. Uh, and I'm watching my resistance is, wow, I really have to show up now, huh? <laughs> it's <been> nice <laughs> yeah. studying it. <laughs> I really like studying it. You know, I suppose that's like a doctor who suddenly realizes, 
oh my gosh, I have the scalpel in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, up to Thank me now. Thank you, Dana. That's amazing. And it, it's humbling, right? It's just, it's so humbling to realize that we're actually holding heaven on earth in our own consciousness. And we can play out any number of things. We can, we can daydream or we can create. It's, it's the same energy. And this creation can be really something that's from this tender space in our heart, which we know is something that God and ourself has been wanting to create for a long time and now it's the time. Or we can just daydream and pass the time away and kind of miss out on this opportunity of, of discovering love, a true, a true love with the creator and with ourself. One of the wonderful things about CLM is, you know, it is a portal for miracles. And I myself have had countless miracles within as an attendee and also as as a, a space holder. And tonight we have an opportunity to, to open up the dialogue a little bit with one of our acolytes, Julian Romanoff, who first encountered CLM as a as a young person, just like me. He was younger than I was, but he, he was young. He came to the to an event and he had a heavy heart. He had some things that he really wanted to deal with. And he has come back again and again and again. And now he's even at a place where he's going deeper in his relationship with, with becoming an acolyte recently and having a more personal relationship with Padre and really discovering himself, really finding more and more of his godlight. So, Julian, if you're on the call, I'd love to welcome you to share some of your miracles. Yeah, hi. Thanks, Bobby. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, perfectly. Yeah. So, Julian, uh, can you just give us a little bit of a background? Like, when did you first come to CLM? And kind of, is there one or two miracles that you'd like to share or insights that you have that you, you feel very passionate about sharing? Yeah, yeah. I've actually been thinking about that a lot lately. I, uh, I'm actually, I've been laughing because I've just been seeing all these synchronicities in my own life. And I think it's ironic how last week we were talking about doubt and overcoming that doubt and strengthening our faith and then, uh, and, and remembering. And that's exactly what was happening to me last Wednesday during the last talk is I kind of started remembering all these little miracles and big miracles that I've experienced. And it's like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, and it's amazing how we can forget those things over the course of time. And then all I need to do is just tap in and it felt all this emotion and presence and, I don't know, just joy. Just so grateful. Yeah, so I found... CLM, and actually I wrote some notes just because I didn't realize it had been that long. I found CLM back in November of 2015. And yeah, so five, yeah, just almost five years ago, which is crazy to think about. And, and your first uh, event was in the East Coast, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it was in Edison, New Jersey, I believe. Right. Um, which right. was, I had never been to the East Coast before. And at the time, I was living in Spokane, Washington. And I, I went through some kind of a series of major, I guess, experiences, and I fell into a really, really dark place. And I had a lot of anger and pain and fear and really hit a breaking point. 
where I was willing to try anything. And my mom, who who uh, lives in San Rafael, you know, she had kind of started going to CLM retreats. She just kind of put it in my face and said, hey, if you're willing to try this, you're more than welcome to come with me. And, you know, part of that whole first experience is, uh, was a bit of a blur, but I know, like, yes, okay, I'm going to go. Um, I have no idea what this is when I showed up. And so I had, and, and then kind of throughout this whole time in my life, I had this blackout experience where it took me a while to kind of remember, oh, yeah, this happened and that happened. And what, what I found at this point, I don't, I don't know if I did much. I don't think I did much talking in this retreat. I did a lot of crying. That was, uh, <laughs> that was, that was pretty you much. You were giving me dirty stares. <laughs> <laughs> that, that too, yeah. Padre didn't give me the answers that I wanted, or that I thought I wanted. Right. And, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, and now you know, you're his I, spiritual child. Yeah, <laughs> right. go figure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it works, people. <laughs> well, and I, I remember. So even though, like, I, you know, I, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was just so angry and hurt and afraid. You know, I, I had a hard time looking anybody in the eye. I was very kind of stuck and within myself. But I remember, I remember testing. My mom can was kind of priming me, or she'd exposed me to some different phenomena that was. You know, that kind of made sense to me on, on a certain level. And I remember testing the energies at the retreat, almost like, you know, like it was like a force field. I remember like hopping in and out of the, the doorway into the conference room. And it was so mm. weird. I would feel, I would feel this presence, you know, almost like a blanket or like the air was heavier, but in a good way. Yeah. And I thought it was the weirdest thing ever, you know, and I was like, I, what is, am I really feeling this? You know, is this real? And, and I, I mean, I, and I did that like multiple times throughout this retreat, you know, when, when everyone else went to bed, I would go downstairs and I would just walk in and out of those doors just to figure out whether, you know, whether I was crazy or, or what. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that, that feeling never left in a sense. Like I, I, there was some part of me that understood that CLM and then spaces that we create were, were really safe. And they became really sacred to me, and that was kind of the uh, the start of everything. Beautiful. So, Julian, I also know that you have some other kind of experiences, not only your own testimony about your moving through big chunks of anger, and and actually a lot of pain. I mean, you had a lot of emotional pain. I remember you that first retreat, and I I just I worked with you a little bit um, in, in the space, just sending a lot of prayers your way because you reminded me so much of myself when I first came and I had so much pain and I just remember what it felt mm. like to, fi- to finally have a safe place, one, to access the pain, not run away from it, but also mm. to watch it being liberated from my space. And I watched that happen for you. I mean, little by little, day by day, you kept transforming forming before our very eyes. I mean, you had sort of this <clears throat> darkness over you in the beginning, and at the end, you couldn't look anybody in the eye, and then afterwards, you were just radiant. And I don't know if you, if that's your experience, but it was definitely an experience that I saw when I looked at you, just energetically. But I know you've had a lot of healing for your mom, for a friend who had cancer, and you had some other friends who had experiences with the angelic realm. And CLM has 
the container has really helped you to make sense of all this. Do you, do you want to take another minute or so and just talk about any one of those things? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know. I've had so many, but I think the, there's a couple big ones. Back in – and the timing, the timing is so interesting. I was just reflecting on this. So in April of 2017, right after Easter, remember I was just – I just finished EMT school, and I was working at the fire department on Easter. And, you know, and it was a great time, and I remember – I don't know. I just there's something over the course of what about two years, so much had shifted in me, and kind of stepping into who I really am and figuring things out. Things were moving quick for me. I got a, a new job and, and everything. And I remember I was trying to stay in touch with my mom. You know, even though we didn't always talk. You know, more kind of like a weekly or every other week kind of thing. And I remember something just felt really off. You know, I texted her on Easter just to wish her a, a happy day or something like that. And and I just didn't hear from her, you know, which wasn't all that weird to begin with. I figured, oh, okay, you know, eventually, you know, like we always reconnect. But I, I just, this weird feeling just stuck with me. And I think um, Monday, you know, I went to work and I, uh, you know, I still hadn't heard from her, you know, no text, no phone call, whatever. And and I don't know what it was, but I just felt like something was just really wrong. And, you know, and then I sent, so I sent her another text and I said, hey, if I don't hear from you, I'm going to be, I'm going to call the, uh, the police department and have them do a welfare check just to, just to say hi. I figured it'd be no big deal. And timing of things were weird. I didn't hear from anybody that Monday night, but then Tuesday morning, I had a really weird voicemail from a, from a police officer. And, you know, he's basically like, hey, Julian, this is so-and-so. Your mom's been transported to the hospital. Give us a call. And, of course, I call him back, and what they had told me is that the fire department actually had to take down her door, and they found her in a, in a coma, coma-like state, and she actually wasn't breathing. So they had to, they had to ventilate her, and then they got her to the ICU, and, and she was on a, on a ventilator there as well. And it was so surreal. I was, of course, part of me is freaking out, and then part of, part of me is like, what am I going to do now? And so basically, I booked a one-way ticket to fly down to the Bay Area from Washington. And it was weird. I just had this clarity. And although I had been to several retreats, I've been coming to retreats at least two, three, maybe four times a year since late 2015. And I I had never really had like an in-person conversation with Dana uh, up to that point. And I remember my, my girlfriend at the time drove me uh, to the airport, and I remember telling her, I said, hey, I, I, I think I need to really talk with Dana. And I had no idea why or what, or, you know, like, you know, I figured he, he could help me make sense of things. Because, you know, up, up to this point, I thought my mom was doing really well, and, you know, and I, I, just could, I was just so confused. And, and then I also, I got down here, and, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's, really weird, you know, walking into the ICU and seeing a loved one, you know, kind of on the brink of death is how it felt. It was just really, I don't know, life, life shattering is a good word. And, and, and I just, my whole world just kind of fell apart as, as happens with situations like that. And then I think the next day or so I was emailing and calling people, putting Padre 
And, you know, I, I, I could barely speak. As soon as Padre answered the phone, I'm pretty sure I started bawling. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure I got a squeak out, you know. Padre! <laughs> Who is it? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, so Padre had a great idea. He's like, well, why don't you go to the hospital and put me on speakerphone and, and we can pray for your mom. So I was like, okay, great. I'll go right now. And so I called him and put him on speakerphone. And, and I'm, I'm very, very detail-oriented or, or observant, you know, and I just kind of notice certain things like a hawk if I'm really open to it. And so as Padre started praying, and, and again, I had, you know, I had seen my mom the night before, and there had been people walking in and out, you know, nurses and doctors out of the ICU and stuff. And, you know, my mom had this kind of, I don't know, like a frown or, or you know, just, I mean, and I've seen people in, in different states before as a as a firefighter. So she kind of had this frown in her face, and it was it was kind of static to a certain degree. And when Padre started praying, and, and I put the phone right over her head, you know, when he started praying, her you know her face started twitching, and that freaked me out. <laughs> and I you know I I think I told him I said yeah that that did something. You know I don't know how this prayer thing works. But, you know, that was something. And I think Padre, Padre got in touch with Dana, and then Dana reached out to me. And uh, eventually uh, I met Dana at, uh, at FSD, and, which is his school in San Rafael. And we basically, that's where we talked about everything. And with my invitation, you know, uh, Dana agreed to, to do a healing, you know, to do some prayer and healing work with my mom at the ICU. So we we agreed on a date and a time, and of course Dana was late, but that's okay. <laughs> and uh, perfect timing. <laughs> well, it was, it was. I, you know, like it didn't feel like it felt like something, you know, something good was on the way. And but I, I had a I had like a massive headache since since all this kind of unfolded. I had this kind of recurring headache, and it wouldn't go away. And, and of course, I'm a like nervous, anxious wreck. And you know, so Dana got there and totally calm, and he's like, "Oh yeah, okay, I see what's going on here." And uh, my younger brother, Christopher, he he actually drove up from San Diego and was with us at the ICU. So Dana asked Christopher and I to grab a couple chairs and to um, you know to take a seat, and he he did a couple blessings for us, um, and then asked us to pray for our mom as he performed a healing ritual for her. And as kind of we started this whole process, my headache disappeared. And then over the course of a few minutes, you know, Dana's like, okay, I'm done. Like very nonchalant. And, you know, and I, and I was curious too. So while he was doing this whole thing, you know, like I know my, my, I looked at my brother and his eyes were closed. He was deep in prayer, but I, you know, I opened my eyes. I was peeking. <laughs> and, and I watched and then, as soon as, as soon as he said he was done, I got up and I looked at my mom's face, and she wasn't frowning anymore. Mm, you know, it was very, very, yeah, very relaxed. And I was, like, and before she looked like she was in pain, and now she wasn't. And very, very surreal. And then I don't remember if it was shortly after this or, or maybe a few hours later or, or the day after, but I remember she started opening her eyes. 
and kind of in and out, you know, where she'd open her eyes and then she'd go back to sleep. And I know the doctors were really confused. They they kind of tried to come up with all sorts of labels of what this could or couldn't have been. And, I mean, this just, I mean, it just changed the way I thought about everything. And That's um, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Julian. And, and just, I'm just going to cut to the finish line, which is your mom is alive and well. <laughs> yeah. And you're, and you have grown spiritually, even to the point where you're now living in the Bay Area and you are one of the frontline people working in a hospital and doing, you're, you're giving back. So thank you so much for, for sharing your testimony with us and also for, Something that's so tender. I mean, I, I know myself because I have, I had a, a very raw experience with my mother as well that these, these are the kinds of testimonies that really seal the deal because it's what matters. It's, it's our heart. Our mothers are so important. And when we can have any kind of a miracle for one of our, our own, it, it, it makes a big difference. And it, and it's something that motivates you to grow yourself. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just like Thank to. You all. I just Thanks, like to Julie. give a little reference from Anne Frank, and we all know that she was a young person who perished in in Germany during the Second World War. But one of one of the things that she said, and I think this really kind of sums up your testimony, Julian. In the long run, the sharpest weapon of all is a kind and a gentle spirit. And I think if anybody's ever seen Padre or Bishop Dana working, that's exactly what they bring to the table. I mean, they're just, they just fill with God's love and they do the work that they've been called to do. And it's, it's a remarkable thing to, to witness someone who can just become a vessel. And there's no, there's no attachment to a gain personal gain or other they just are there to do the work and i'm i'm just very honored to be able to spend time with you guys and so i wanted to take this time since we are in the the energy of taurus to to do a little conversation back and forth and this is a conversation with a guru and it's yogananda with his his mentor Sri Yukteswar and Sri Yukteswar was a Taurus. So I thought this would be Ooh, really a sweet, yeah. a sweet <laughs> tribute to all the, these three Tauruses that we've just heard from. <laughs> Yogananda says, when shall I find God? Very urgent. When shall I find God? He was a Capricorn. He was very serious. When shall I find God? And Sri Yukteswar in his kind and gentle way said, you have, you have found him. And then <laughs> Yogananda says, oh, no, sir. I don't think so. And Sri Yukteswar said, I'm sure you aren't expecting a venerable a personage adorn, adorning a throne in some anti-septic <laughs> corner of the cosmos. I see, however, that you are imagining that possession of the miraculous powers as proof that one has found God. And then he says, no, one might gain the power to control the whole universe, yet find the Lord elusive still. Spiritual advancement is not to be measured by one's display of outward powers, but solely and solely by the depth of his bliss in meditation. Ever new joy is God. And this is exactly what I watch when I watch the two of you work. Is It's just that you, you are lost in the bliss of the work. 
And it's just, it's wonderful. And I think in terms of remembrance, I, th- I think this is something all of us can draw upon. Time and again, we, are, we have sat, beautifully sat together in community and done these big healing rituals. And now we can't do that. But we can all remember. We can all take a moment now and remember the work. We can remember the miracles that we've received. We can remember the people that we've prayed about. We can remember how powerful that prayer basket was when we would write our prayers and we walked in and put them into the bowl or the basket and then Padre would call us up and we'd all put our hand out and we'd bless the prayers and the miraculous happened every time. I personally have put prayers in those baskets and I personally had received prayer results that was beneficial and it would often be for my clients. They didn't even ask for the prayer from the basket. I asked on their behalf and the prayer was answered. So Mm -hmm. I just know that this work is really, really powerful. And I'm just so grateful to both of you. So I know we have a few more minutes to, to, um, before we're, we're going to pray together, but I just wanted to ask Padre another question, if you don't mind. And I'm just curious, Padre, the world stage is what it is. And I just, I feel more connected personally to my prayer life. And I'm just wondering, how about yourself? Like, have you been drawn into a deeper self-discovery or a deeper inner awareness or a more consistent prayer life that's different than what you did before? I really have, Bob. And, you know, my, if people remember last week, we would have been on retreat in April for our spring retreat. And the title of that was Seeking the Secret Place. And how coincidental that all of us now are in our homes and we have to go deeper. And it was really the calling of God is to do that, go deeper. Even when I was praying before this teleclass, an hour before, and I was weeping because of my relationship with God. And I remember there was a time, well, many times, remember, God speaks to each one of us. And... And sometimes we say, was that God? I'll give you an example. I remember hearing the Spirit, Holy Spirit or God tell tell me that I will walk this spiritual path alone. And that terrified me. And it wasn't until my Padre, our Padre Ron Roth passed away that the Lord brought that to my remembrance. And then I went, oh my there it was. You know, it was that strengthening throughout those years, but yet now I can walk along because I know I'm walking towards my Savior, my healer, my joy is my relationship with God. And yeah. But I love my brothers, Dana and Bobby, my sisters, my community. I love all of them. But it's in that secret place that I find my home, my dwelling place. And so when the world needs us, and I do, you do. We all pray together. Our community prays every night for all these prayer intentions that come through. But it's in that place that the relationship happens. So even though I love the play, I love the tour, I love the travel, I love to do all those things, but it has to have my secret place. So I take that yeah. the, the temple of God within me. So thank you for asking that question. Oh, thank you, Patrick. So I think you just opened up that secret place for all of us. So I think we can all really just 
feel into that space for a second because there is something about that secret place when when you access it we access it when you can tap it we can tap it that's that is the mentor disciple relationship mm-hmm. and that is yeah. also the shepherd you are a spiritual shepherd you are our spiritual guide and for that you give us an anchoring into the heavens in a way that none of us would be able to to glean unless we encountered someone with a key. And thank you for holding that key so sacredly. Bishop Dana, I know that you're someone who's really, really good about working through emotional scale. And I'm just curious, during this time right now of discovery, what have you gleaned or discerned in terms of right action about your life or about life that you could share with us? Thanks, Bobby. Well, I'd like to reference the experience of Julian's mom for just a second because it's one of those things that that's very natural. I think I think Padre gets a lot of calls for people in the hospital and he can pray over them. And my experiences of being brought into a hospital are always have to do with a tremendous fear that comes up for me that I'm going to be shot or taken away because I have to do something that's a little different than just prayer. What I discerned when I was working with Julian's mother was that there was a being that had gotten in her and that's why she was in the coma, that they couldn't understand why she was having strange responses. Her eyeballs were rolling up. They checked her eyes, but she had no response otherwise. And that's why he had the headache. And I'm thinking, well, that's great. I'd love to tell the nurse that there's a being here, and I have to remove it. <laughs> that's not going to go over so well. And I've learned that you, you, we're, when we're faced with our challenge, we're always going to go through a series of, of feelings, whether it's starting with doubt, I, I don't belong, I don't, I shouldn't be here, fear, I'm going to be hurt for doing this, or some kind of judgment about the people around you or the situation. I found to just sit and watch those be like clouds go through, because I knew the truth, and I knew what I had to be. And that's why it didn't take very long. I was just simply bringing in the light. I played my little, put on the phone, put on those little uh, Benedictine nuns singing, <laughs> Asked this being to please leave its space. His mom started to be clear, and that's when I knew I was done. I also knew I needed to to leave the room because she needed to wake up just with her son's present. And I felt the harmony and balance in that moment. Like, this is the most natural thing ever. And then you go back to your life. And I think all of us have moments where we have these challenges, and then we have emotions come up. We may be successful with them or not. And then we uh, have the test go by and we've learned. And now here we are. Here we are where every day is this. Every day is how should I go to the store today? How it feels like another situation of an emergency. And what I love about it is while it's bringing up emotions, I think the greatest thing is if you can feel the presence as you referenced already, Bobby, and that Padre is just holding whenever he talks. If you all can feel that again right now, Watch how it's the center point of everything, and all the emotions are just more like noise outside the car. Sometimes we think our emotion is the center of who we are, and that's when we're choosing from within the emotion. But literally, choice, true choice, because all those are reaction if you're coming from your emotions. True choice is finding that presence and noticing all the noise and then following the choice just like it's a, a a compass, like it's a like you're pointed north, and you just know, as Julian referenced, I know I had to talk to Dana, 
And he's right, we hadn't had any conversations before. I had perceived that he felt favor with Padre as a, as a point person, so it was very interesting for him to contact me, but then I realized, oh, because he needs the exorcist. And, you know, we've great, developed a wonderful relationship since then. He's a student at the school, doing really well with his intuitive abilities and understanding how to create and help others through his healing work at the hospital now that you helped him get a job. And all this is a result of choosing again from that center point of knowing what you need to do. And that's right action. Knowing this, the truth, even though all these other fears or, or, or doubts or anger or even kind of escapism is wanting to break into the car and, and get me to just go unconscious. I think it's the best we can do is lean into God. Mm, beautiful. Dana, if you don't mind, could you start the prayers? Padre can then join and then I'll finish and we'll pray for our community now. Oh, Holy One. The light of lights, the beacon in the darkness of all that we doubt. God, Holy Spirit, please bless and watch over all. All. Not just our loved ones, not just our neighbors, but all. Plants, animals, the insects, the environment, the people, the spirits recently leaving their body, confused or not knowing where to go. All the angels, even the demons, we ask you to bless us and everything now in your great grace. Amen. I just pray to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one who called each of us by name. That door of spiritual and physical healing is upon each of you now. As you touch your heart, there's going to be an explosion of grace just penetrating the cancer in your body. Be gone. People in the ICU, healing, resurrection power, blood clots, blood work. Just be normal. Back pain, sciatic nerve, be healed. Come forth, Holy Spirit. Even people's eyes. I just feel people with their eyes. And also the bones. Come, Holy Spirit. There's an activity of the Holy Spirit at work right now. As we call upon the healing angels, Raphael, Gabriel, Michael, to be with you. And you will sleep with the angels tonight. The activity of heaven is upon each of you. Just allow it. Be in remembrance of what healing was from you in the past, but also the present and the future. For your well has just been redug by the presence of the Almighty. Amen. Amen. Beloved Jesus and all of the saints and sages throughout all time and space, God throughout all time, I call upon you now, beloved, come powerfully and quench the thirst. Quench the thirst of your children. Answer their prayers. Everyone is going through their own personal suffering, their own personal revelation, and their own growth. It's your opportunity now to give to your children that which they seek humbly in your name. I ask for healing to happen, for the bounty to be redistributed as needed, as required, for safekeeping of each person's life. And 
thank you in advance for all of the miracles that will result from this call because I know you are a God who loves your children and you will deliver in your holy name, in your holy names. I say thank you, Lord, my friend, my, my Savior. Amen. 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 Thank you, God, for everything. Thank you. Mm.